good now. Yeah, we're just redoing this whole thing. All right, it's Keith. Excellent. Keith, Tom. Tom. Tom, Keith. We're here. We're doing it. Um, Let's get this podcast rolling. Let's just fucking do it. Yeah. But anyway, we've been having a lot of conversations this morning um, before we restarted this. Yeah, I guess we were just talking about how deep we were getting into. I was sharing that I was like trying to like lay down and relax my body ended up falling into like these meditative states and that turned into a whole conversation on what like the subconscious basically subconscious archetypes that young's depth psychology yeah um, just imagination active imagination dreams mm-hmm. the the inner world of creative expression mm-hmm. and i was also talking about kind of going back into the past mm-hmm. like using my memories as a tool to process different thought patterns and almost emotional responses, like really deep emotional responses that kind of set the tone or um, helped reinforce specific thought patterns that also influenced my behavior as a young child that kind of I carried with me over time. And I realized that's not the person I want to be. And I feel like, again, it, it all had to do with like, subconscious things that I was unaware of that with laying in my bed I was able to give myself the time to explore the subconscious something that we're not doing or or like at least in some ways you could say the subconscious directs your automatic behaviors throughout the day but in many ways like what I'm doing is like maybe I'm being more conscious when I'm in the bed of the automatic subconscious behaviors, right? So I'm detaching myself in some sort of way from my automatic processes and then exploring it to figure out, is this beneficial for me? You know, which in which ways is my behavior and my thought patterns um, replaying themselves and causing me more internal damage over time? Just as, you know, just because I'm not acknowledging them and they're playing themselves out within my everyday lives, within every relationship that I have. And so I just kind of explored those things that were deeply associated with memories from like childhood, random memories that would come up. I told you about like this like Egyptian party that I was at as a fifth grader and like I'm just like treating this other kid like shit. And I'm like, why was I being like that to someone? Why did I feel so compelled to defend my identity and my, you know, like, uh, present myself as this person that had to be so cruel as a way to not be vulnerable, you know, Mm -hmm. to not express who I truly was because if I didn't make fun of that kid first or some other kid, I I guess I had it in my mind that someone was going to make fun of me, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm making fun of his costume before he makes fun of mine, which was may not have even happened you know maybe me and that kid could have had a great friendship along the way i didn't even allow that to happen that kid never wanted to be friends with me and i don't blame him Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so yeah that conversation that we had (laughs) sometimes i wish you had recorded that you know you have no idea yeah um, you know i feel like we just reached certain understandings of like the potential limitless like potential that lies within us and in in our uh, creative capacity for 
imagination, dreams, and, and memories. And you know, you're saying about you know, your experiences as a kid and how they seem to have been a uh, like pivotal point, create ingraining a kind of behavior, or at least was in a selected example mm -hmm. of a behavior that you had been um, unconsciously. Um, expressing throughout mm -hmm. your life causing you pain and others pain mm -hmm. and you know it's interesting because i've had a similar experience before um i was actually like laying in the middle of this field stargazing with my friend and i uh just like this wave of anxiety just kind of like washed over me for what seemed to be no reason for me and i just like closed my eyes and went into it and just felt it allowed it to express itself and what happened, the memory that hit me was a, uh, I have no idea how old I was, but I was very young and I was like in my room, like terrified because I kept hearing noises or what I thought was hearing noises in my room, in the closet, whatever. And yeah, like, I can relate to that. <laughs> and in that memory, I, uh, I put the present version of myself into the memory mm -hmm. and and comforted my younger self mm -hmm. and you know as soon as i did that a wave of relaxation washed over me and i felt like i had like completed something fulfilled something that was lacking and i think it's you know there's an idea of fragmentation um of consciousness mm -hmm. fragmentation of yourself where you know we have certain traumatic events or situations things that happen to us and part of ourself becomes trapped Mm -hmm. in that almost time in that emotional it's like it's like the emotional response was so intense that part of you becomes trapped in time mm -hmm. there right and so you have this child within you that has been just propagating these needs via unconsciously and altering your course of direction of life and you had no idea because it started because it happened when you were so young mm -hmm. and it's like but you can go back into that and alleviate it and it's like it's like connecting a piece of your puzzle that puzzle that's the puzzle of the totality of your being mm -hmm. and all of the parts of you because you know if you just have the total parts all being parts it's like there's a that saying probably cliche but um the whole is greater than the sum of the parts mm -hmm. so it's like you become more whole mm -hmm. individuated more complete mm -hmm. more conscious right and you know then have more freedom to you know express your life in the direction that you mm -hmm. you want to go without these you know things because we all we don't listen very well to ourselves like you all set out plans and stuff you're like i want to do this 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 and that today and you might hit like one of them but then fail at all the others and all these distractions come up in your mind and all these things and uncomfortable sensations boredom anxiety whatever and then you want to get away from them and it's like it's like all of these things it's like are arising from a lack of synergy in your organism in your being and it's like i think there's a couple ways of getting to that synergy one of them is you know the spiritual experience by you know becoming aware of awareness mm -hmm. pulling out of solid ego identification of only identifying with your ego the the thinker of thoughts 
pulling out of that and of holding an absolute identity view of that and realizing that you are so much more it's not even funny mm -hmm. and that you're identifying with five percent of what you actually are and when you do that we trap ourselves and that creates a lot of pain and suffering and i think you know you can go in and do the work and the ego and understand these complexes which i think has its benefits but i also think you can just pull out mm -hmm. and you almost eradicate suffering yeah i mean that's what the buddha did i think yeah i mean i think that's the whole thing yeah that's the, i mean that's what all the religions have tried to do is a recognition of god realization of god or the universe as one yeah yeah and we talked about that all morning just really just focusing on the ego specifically and I, even when you bring that up again and you say, like, you can eradicate all suffering, it's like, I agree, but then I feel like, personally, the ego is a part of your human experience. So to completely detach yourself and to act as if the ego is not a thing, mm -hmm. I feel like it's to lose yourself in a mm -hmm. spiritual realm. Um, and I think, like, based on our conversation, like, you made me consider the fact that I guess in some ways you could do that and that's completely fine to I think it also could be just as pathological though. Like I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, I guess like for me maybe. I think like actually this brings up a totally new angle uh, on what excellent. we were talking Let's about, which is perfect because we were kind of establishing we need a breakthrough. We're establishing if you're completely immersed in the spiritual realm Yet you've had, let's just say, 24 years of human experience, right? And then you, all of a sudden you decide to detach yourself from an ego that you've created, that, that the world and your experiences has all played a role in creating and constructing this ego. Well, then you detach yourself from it. And then I almost feel like if what you want to do is live in the spiritual realm you have so many memories associated with the ego. And so as a person that wants to remain in the spiritual world and also has all these associations with the ego and interacting with society the way that you have been, what do you do in the spiritual realm? Like, how do you just exist as cool. someone that's, and I want to point this out real quick, if you like for me, I'm trying to hold on to this idea of mind, body, spirit as a dynamic process that can um, help us orient ourselves in a way that's purely um, beneficial to your being. Like, like in balancing all three of those aspects, um, you can function optimally, right? I guess that's a good way of saying it. And you can, when you experience something like anxiety, if all those things that you practice are in harmony and in alignment with one another, then you can process that anxiety. You can work through the anxiety mm -hmm. and you can respond to your, to the events in the world and you can navigate through your environments in a way that acknowledges anxiety, but, but goes through it, deals with it, processes it, acts as if anxiety is a part of the experience and does not resist those uncomfortable feelings but if you're only stuck practicing the spiritual aspect well that goes against my idea of balancing this fact that we also have a mind and a body so you're negating those two elements and then what are you 
describe to me what a person purely spiritual is doing because for me that's like saying that's god okay and like what is god god is not he is human but he's also god but like there's this idea of like that's you know omnipotent omni omniscient omnipresent like entity that is all things and you can't you can't deny the fact that as a human you are differentiated from that yeah i guess okay so like your one of your like presuppositions here is that it's based on detachment from it that you're pulling out of it and that you're moving into one specifically i'm i you made me think of it as being in the spiritual like is to fully be immersed into your body it's like that is like you know spirituality is a concept and stuff like that like i think that you know by moving into that realm so to speak or the self or um becoming aware of your own awareness mm -hmm. to re-identify yourself with the source of your being versus this thing that can only play in the world of extract abstractions which is like the ego mm -hmm. um then you allow yourself to put you put the ego in check and you don't solely identify it, which then allows you to actually fully experience the ego and Im immerse it and drop resistance to changing and becoming who you want to be. And because I think it's almost a fully integrated experience versus a detached one. And that it doesn't moving into the spiritual doesn't have to mean detaching yourself. Um, and pulling out from your mind and body itself, I think it almost can be an integration experience just mm -hmm. as much. Yeah. And um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Like, I think... But I see what you're saying. I think the way, like, we're always trying... It can happen that way. We're trying to, like, describe our understanding of, of each of these, like, dimensions of reality, I guess. And I feel like the issue is, is like, in some ways we agree on some things, in some way we disagree and i think sometimes like like initially my response was like it sounded like you were saying that you don't like the ego is not necessary so like do you agree with that i think it's it's as necessary as hearing but we don't identify ourselves like that, that that's just the difference like necessary is it's a function of our being mm -hmm. but you know based on the way our culture is designed and language and what we how we interact with each other is we make that part of us mm -hmm. the sole focus and and so we've learned to fully identify ourselves with the ego mm -hmm. when I think we should look at it more as like a sixth sense okay, for your being or right. organism. And then I think you can, you know, and it's ha it has this ability to be aware of itself. Yeah. Which, um, which can make it fall in love with itself, so to speak, mm -hmm. and ignore the... Um, you know the, the the totality of your being it's like you know you know what's it's it's walking around and realizing that you're not aware of your body and how it feels and taking a second to become aware of your body and right and it's like you know 
being immersed in the ego is being immersed in the world of abstraction. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not, a, it's about, it's not that that doesn't, that, that doesn't go away when you pull you, when you stop identifying with that and seeing that as a soul reality. It's like, as Alan Watts says, we're like people eating the menus instead of the dinner. Mm -hmm. That's what soul identification with the ego is like, because it lives in the world of extraction. And in that sense is an illusion. Right. But it is necessary because it allows us to interact with each other. Right. communicate right. and construct and build the way that we do but there's a deep pathology that can come in it when we you know basically stop experiencing life i agree and see this is where it's interesting because like just it's the way that you started out and the way you said it that i thought that we were in a disagreement but we're not like i agree that mm -hmm. all of those elements are in an interplay with each other um and breaking I feel like it down there's something that we established earlier too i don't know if i'm gonna be able to remember it in the everyday life. I mean, we talked a little bit about like when you can go off into your ecstasy or you can like, you know, take part in the construction of a beautiful society. I'm not going to remember. Well, and I almost feel fried now talking about the ego, <laughs> but I don't know. I think if anything, like we did hit on like something where it's like just considering the fact, like, considering the role of the ego, like, in acknowledgement of that. Oh, I do remember what I wanted to say before we go any further. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about what it means to be spiritual or to connect to this idea of, uh, or sense of spirituality, that could mean a lot of different things for people, which mm -hmm. is really interesting, too. So I feel like, I feel like our... It is almost inherently the subjective. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, like, people are going to describe that in so many different ways. I, but I think one thing that we hit on that I think me and you agree with is there is the spiritual aspect of um, the self being aware of itself, which, mm -hmm. you, which you had, you know, talked about a little bit. And it's – and I think that's a really weird thing. It's like you are not your thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you can – be the observer of yourself, mm -hmm. which seems like a very weird concept. Mm -hmm. And I guess for the audience, I just want to ask them, consider that. And are you aware that that happens in your life? You know, do you feel like it does? Do you feel like sometime, like, have you experienced that? And when, And if you have, what has that felt like for you? And a lot of the things that we were hitting on today is like you can, in order to do the inner work, as you talked about earlier, like that child that needed, that needed yourself to go back and into your memory and comfort that child, right? You can't do that if you don't pull yourself away from the ego in order to acknowledge those things mm -hmm. that are going on, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's where there is a spiritual element at play. And my way of understanding that is that the fact that everything exists in and of itself is very spiritual. And I feel like as the observer, that's where you are. That's the perspective you take. It's you are a part of this absolute um, part of everything that exists and you have this view of yourself at a distance and in that way you can kind of detach in order to do the work in order to analyze right 
in order, like if people want to transform, you know, personal um, self-help, growth and development, you have to kind of be able to understand that that's even possible in the first place, um, that you can detach yourself from what we were saying is the ego and the thing that, you know, is the vehicle that helps us navigate through our world, um, but also is the thing that has constructed our responses to events like that. Like in that in that event too, I wanted to ask you, as that kid that's experiencing that stress response and experiencing fear or whatever it is, anxiety, what did you feel like that you needed in that moment that you never did get at that moment? Like you said you went back and comforted it was yourself. Protective presence. Right. And what would have what do you think could have helped you create a different coping mechanism or do something else like what like if that situation was different and it turned out more positive and it didn't become mm-hmm. this like memory that was associated with wow like i was really scared well, or so fearful and like thing that i wanted to say for that too is that you know our memories are uh very uh roughly accurate so to speak so it's like now what i'm saying is what that's probably is certainly real is the emotional response to the memory that is ingrained and usually the memory is pretty clean with that but it might be um it might even be a created memory to understand that emotion and like a reconstruction which i would say is probably more accurate than not but it's just also interesting to think that it could be like a whole theater set up in your in your mind based off of emotional attachment from um, past experience. But, you know, in order for that to be positive, if that would have turned out the right way, I guess it would be something like, um, you know, I was probably, there wasn't too much detail in there. I was just there and I heard noises. Yeah. And I was terrified because I was a little kid and I was scared of the dark. It's maybe like, I was probably like three years old or something. I don't know. But, yeah. um, you know, I guess like a nightlight. I probably have one though. So like, um, I don't know. Maybe it was like the first, ex- maybe I was just starting to be on my own mm-hmm. um, because maybe I stopped sleeping um, in my parents' room and finally started sleeping in my own room. So that might be a part of that. And that's a traumatizing thing for a little bit probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Probably just presents. Like yeah. a, a, a more like probably rather than, you know, it might have been throwing me in and forcing me to sleep by myself versus, you know, gradually helping me get there. Right. And understand that I'm going to be fine. Right. And that, you know, rather than locking doors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I mean, there's many different ways and it's just, you know, there is a there is a, um, a spectrum of you know overprotection versus you know allowing um you know risk and to become stronger mm-hmm. you know i became stronger as a result of that too in a way well you did cope with it you're still here to talk about it you figured out a way like that mm-hmm. this you know like as much as that scares you in the moment you got through you got through it my interpretation of it is like when we think about the stress response is paralysis is I'm just going to lay here and try so hard not to think about the fear 
And so again, the coping me mechanism almost becomes, if I just don't do anything, this will pass. But it doesn't mean you get any better at like actually feeling it and like saying to yourself, it's going to be okay, or I can get up and oh, I can yeah. go check what the noise is. And I do think like, again, as a child, it's hard, it's hard to sit here and say whether, you know, it was the right time or like, I mean, but, but from your memory alone, that was scary enough that it stuck with you, right? Apparently. Right. And so as an adult now, you have more things to consider. And when you go back into that memory, your adult self can say to that inner child, it's going to be okay. And mm -hmm. guess what? Like, you don't need to just lay there. You can go, you can feel the fear. Mm -hmm. You can process the emotion. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If you're ever, you know, I guess like some form of an analogy of like being scared, you don't have to wait for the moment to pass you by. Like you can actually take action as mm -hmm. a way to alleviate those symptoms. And I think of that as like, going out into the world and getting a job, right? And feeling mm -hmm. that fear all over again. But instead of standing still and letting the moment pass you by and then almost not being able to fully contribute and participate in that world because you're always so scared that your reaction to it is, I'm just going to stand here and let the moment pass me by. Mm -hmm. Then you also, you don't develop, like you are still that child in an adult occupational world that anything, something stressful comes up you just let it pass you by. So guess what? Everyone else that wants to experience that and go through it are the people that are taking on more responsibility, the people that are getting promoted, the people that are going into it versus the person that's saying, I'm going to sit here in my cubicle because this is where I'm safe. And tell me if that well, seems really... they're not saying really... that to themselves, but that's no, what they're, no, doing. they're not. Exactly. That's the subconscious. That mm -hmm. it's happening without you even realizing it. And then this goes back to that idea of you can pull yourself away from your ego and look at the mechanisms that you still reinforce on a subconscious level, and you can alter those. And when you do and you go back into the world, the next time you feel that fear, you might be a little more motivated, a little bit more inspired to actually step out of your cubicle. You might be the kid that if your parent comes in and actually comforts you a little bit or like you have the courage as a kid, which is tough, but like to go – express your fear to your parents and have them talk to you the way that we're talking to our inner child now, you might have a little more courage to get out of bed the next time to um, talk to yourself a different way. And then you might not be the adult that's stuck in the cubicle, but you're the adult that's out there fucking getting it in a world that is terrifying, mm -hmm. but you also acknowledge that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just want to know, like, that's my interpretation of doing some sort of psychological deep inner work around the ego and i just want to know like do you agree that that's maybe like an accurate or like at least oh, reasonable completely. interpretation I, mean, I think it's much more than reasonable interpretation it's it's you know we're in like an emotional dark age it's like mm -hmm. we we have no understanding of of emotion um let alone our own emotions other people's emotions like we um you know, a lot of us would just repress emotion, deny emotion, um, you know, hold on to emotion without even realizing. We just don't understand. We don't understand any of the process of a situation, environmental situation that we're in that produces an emotional response and what it does to us, where it came from. If it's, you know, just based on this reaction, if it's just based on this experience or from 40 different past experiences, chances mm -hmm. are it's an enmeshment of everything. So it's like, 
which is completely overwhelming. Yes. Because then you're just being bombarded by. But you don't have to think about all of that. No. The only thing, the only thing I think the most important thing to consider is to, you know, feel the emotion fully. Let it come. Don't deny it, and sit with it. Mm -hmm. And you know, you'll play with how you're seeing the emotion. Like there's an exercise you can do. It's like to. Um, you can say, I am sad or I am anxious and kind of immerse yourself into it. This is what I do. Or, and you feel that when it's like to say, I am sad. And then you can change it to, I feel sad. And you know, as we're doing this, you know, all the reasons why you're sad or whether it's right in front of you or you're just sad for no reason or you're depressed today for no reason. It's like these things will start, your, your imagination will fill the answers to the questions and the causals and the causes of your sadness or anxiety or depression mm -hmm. or whatever, you know what it is better than anybody else does. Um, and then, you know, eventually get to the point where, um, you say, I am aware of the feeling of sadness. Like you, we say, I am sad. And then we we hold on to it and we almost identify with it there. And it's like, you can say that and not identify with it, but, in how we talk about it in ourselves, we hold these absolute identities. And then, you know, you can hold on to that and keep thinking and thinking and thinking about it and making it worse and worse and worse. Like anxiety leads to a panic attack, sadness leads to depression. It's like other things lead to resentment. Everything leads to a much darker place than where it would start mm -hmm. only by holding on to it. Happiness leads to manic mm -hmm. mania. Um, it's like, the holding on to the emotions and holding on to the emotion. You hold on to emotions by denying them. Yeah. By not embracing them. By not welcoming them. I love that step-by-step -step process. I feel like that's such an effective approach to do exactly what it is that we're talking mm -hmm. about. You know, like to become more self-aware and then to also be able to step back and say like, I, this is not going to control me. And and you almost become your own scientist too because then you experiment with the world. You're the and greatest you, book that you could read. Yeah, that too. But you start to do things a little differently, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's, I always tell people, if they want to work on nutrition, if they want to work on exercise, if you want to work on anything, if you want to change something, you experiment with it. Mm -hmm. You go back to the drawing board and you say, you know, I've done X, Y, and Z. This is where I've ended up. So let me change one of those, you know, let me change X around. And then, so then it's a different combination of things and you test it out and it's like, okay, I feel better than I did after making the change. So I'm going to keep that. And then you start to experiment and tweak some other things. Mm -hmm. And this is a slow, gradual process, um, but very effective. And you, you can just think of it in terms of being your own scientist in the world, you know, and you get to play with it and you get to experiment and you get to see what works and what doesn't work. And guess what? Like you're always in a position that you get to choose what to change. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, I love all these points that were hitting on. I love that this stemmed from our <laughs> conversation of the ego because you can see how it, it's all connected. Yeah. Like it relates Completely. to so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just incredible because it's that little ego that's scared. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a crazy concept that I feel like I've never, I don't even think I've ever talked about the ego as much as I did today I with haven't. you before we've done this podcast. Like I've thought about it and like, mm -hmm. but I've always feel like 
I've had some even some of my own resistance to this idea because it was so foreign to me. And it's kind of like it is strange. It's like, what do you mean? Like, what is this? What is this ego that's controlling me? And and when we really like dove into it today, you see how it's it's really related to everything that you do. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's pretty powerful. Like, I feel like the more we dive into it, it's like a sense. Yeah, and the, and the more that we can again, we don't know it. change things about ourselves when we understand that process, right? Mm-hmm. You understand more about that process, you understand more about yourself, exactly. So, again, for those people listening, if any of this resonates with you at all, just try some of this stuff. You know, like try to take into consideration or or think about what the ideas that we're talking about and some of those approaches to interacting with this idea of the ego and just see if anything changes, you know, experiment a little bit. And I think that's, again, that's what it's all about. Like anytime we talk about personal transformation, it's just experimenting, you know, mm-hmm. start doing things a little differently. Start, you know, sitting with that inner child. Cause we all got very different, um, upbringings and histories, mm-hmm. you know, our experience is so unique. 